welcome to this week's episode of The Homeschool How-To. I'm Cheryl, and I invite you to join me on my quest to find out why are people homeschooling? How do you do it? How does it differ from region to region? And should I homeschool my kids? Stick with me as I interview homeschooling families across the country to unfold the answers to each of these questions week by week. Welcome. This week we have Lauren from Nevada with us. Lauren, thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so why don't you start by telling us how many kids you have and what ages they are? Um, I have three kids. My first two are boys. They're 10 and 9. And then I have a little girl who's two. Oh, nice little age gap there. Are the older ones like protective of their little sister? Oh, yeah. Um, I always say they're like having live-in nannies. It's great. <laughs> Oh, that's adorable. So what got you into the realm of homeschooling? Um, well, I kind of wanted to ever since I was a kid. Uh, I wanted to be a teacher. I went to school to be a teacher. And after a year, I decided against that. And then uh, all my friends around me, you know, I was kind of jealous that they were homeschooling, but I was just too afraid to do it. And then COVID kicked in, you know, and kind of forced me to do it. And I realized it's not nearly as hard or intimidating as I thought it would be, so I just never sent them back. <laughs> so that's kind of funny that you had people around you that were already homeschooling, like friends. Usually we meet our homeschooling friends like from being a homeschooler, but you already had friends doing it. Is it popular in Nevada? Um, Not really. Okay, I shouldn't say my friends were. There was a, a probably two or three homeschool moms that um, attended my church. And I became friends with them through church, and uh, they were already homeschooling at the time. So my inner circle of friends outside of church, they they all thought I was crazy. So <laughs> so I kind of had both worlds of, you know, that influence. Yeah, the typical response I get is, oh, I couldn't spend that much time with my kids. They would drive me nuts. And I'm like, yeah, all right. like, I get that. They do. They do. But we have to, like put in the time to work to make them human beings that don't drive people nuts. Because, <laughs> like, if they drive us nuts, they drive everybody else nuts, too. So let's make human beings that just don't drive people nuts. <laughs> right. So that's yeah. been my goal. That's my kindergarten goal. <laughs> How has it been going? How have your older two liked, like, being homeschooled versus being in the public school? Uh, well, they absolutely hate public school now and never want to go back. So really to build onto that, what really happened that was like the major catalyst for me to like say, okay, and like take this seriously and really homeschool was, um, uh, like I said, I was already plan like wanting to do it, but I was just kind of scared to my, when my son was five years old and he was in kin kindergarten, I think he came home and, and the school had like this, uh, dojo app thing and all the parents could like see they they made like a pie chart out of their behavior and he was showing me like we were looking at the the, the stupid app together <laughs> and it, it was like showing in this pie chart that the majority of the time he had like bad behavior or whatever and he starts crying like unconsolably and you know I wasn't yelling at him or mad or anything it that just came out of nowhere just seeing that and I asked him like you know why are you crying exactly like what exactly are are you feeling like right now? And he said, dead serious. He looked at me and said, it makes me feel like I don't want to live anymore. And he was five years oh old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, I don't think they understand the magnitude of like <laughs> what these little stupid charts and stuff like have on our kids, especially that young. Like they take it really seriously. Yeah. Like where he would have even heard that terminology to say, I don't want to live anymore. Cause it's, I get five, they had to have heard someone in class or, you know, somewhere else say that to even think that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think if he heard it from somebody else, I think it would have been more like, oh, I, I want to like kill myself. Like those are kind of some keywords, but mm. I think he was literally like, that was the only way he could really describe what he felt that he just didn't want to live. So yeah, that scared me. And of course I jumped online and yeah, I looked up the statistics, like, does that ever actually happen? Do five-year-olds do this? And, you know, I guess it's it's rare, but yeah, it does happen, and it's terrifying. Did you just send him back after that, or did you have a talk with the teacher? 
yeah, I talked to the teacher for sure. And of course she was, you know, very concerned. So, you know, I just told her like, <laughs> I'm not going to be making a big deal out of this. Like, you know, he's five and, uh, he's not a bad kid. He just, he wasn't sitting still enough or he was getting distracted too much or, you know, all these little different things were adding up in the same category of just bad behavior. Yeah. So I, I didn't let him even look at it anymore. I think they went to school for like another month after that. Cause I, I put in my, um, my notice at work, I worked in physical therapy. So I told my boss about that and I said, uh, you know, I'll give you a month's uh, heads up and I'm going to leave and I'm homeschooling the kids. So that was your deciding factor. Yeah. And then the the COVID thing just ended up happening like mm, a little bit, like maybe a month and a half or so after that. So it just kind of worked out perfectly. (laughs) Wow. So your other son, did he have any issues? Um, Not like that. Um, It didn't affect him so much. Like if he got a bad grade or whatever, you know, Um, and he was in first grade at the time. So when we expect a five-year-old to sit all day and like kindergarten is all day now. And I remember when I went to kindergarten, it was only half a day and you were learning like uh, probably to stand in line, which, you know, we can go back and forth on. Is that something that you have to learn? But, um, you know, the basics and now they're like learning to read and it's a whole like six plus hour day and before school and after school. And it's so sad that these kids are expected to like sit there. I'm sure the running around that they do let them do isn't even a fraction of what a five-year-old needs. No, I actually uh, volunteered in my first graders class like two days a week or something And I noticed that right around 11 o'clock, he was done. Like, he he was good at, you know, reading. Um, My older one, he's more of the reader, and then my younger one is the math whiz, you know. (laughs) But he he was knew how to do his work. He didn't have a problem with it, but it was right around 11 o'clock. He was just, like, head down on the desk, not cooperating. He was just done with the day. He didn't want to be there anymore. Did you notice that with other students in the class, too? Yeah, I did. Um, and that's what they needed parent volunteers to help with was to keep these other kids focused. And it was like, so about 11 o'clock, that's three hours into the day. So right there tells you they can only handle about three hours of this sitting down, you know, doing all these routine worksheets and all this stuff. Yeah. And even as adults, it's the same for us, which is why we generally get two 15 minute breaks and a half hour lunch, you know, to get up and walk around and do stuff. And, you know, even that's not enough, but (laughs) these poor children sitting there all day and expected to like learn. And then their energy is feeding off of one another. And then we're giving them like probably sugary breakfasts and sugary snacks there and sugary drinks. And a lot of times they're just put on medication for, you know, ADHD. And I don't, I've never really looked too much into that, but just looking from the outsider's perspective, it's like, well, yeah, of course they're going to want to be running around because they're kids, but then we're giving them sugar on top of it and then telling them that there's something wrong with them when they can't sit still for six plus hours. Uh, It is a little crazy. So how have your kids adjusted and how did you adjust to working full time to now being a homeschool mom? Um, So uh, real quick, I just wanted to touch on the ADHD thing (laughs) because I have a Fun story. My youngest one, or not youngest anymore, <laughs> my uh, kindergartner at the time, um, his name is Stetson, and he was diagnosed with ADHD. My oldest one wasn't. I've been diagnosed with ADHD once I was an adult, and when they diagnosed him and then were offering me like what medication I could put him on, and I declined any medication, and they looked at me like I had three heads. Like They are like, well, then what are you doing here? I said... I just want to know what I'm working with so that I can better understand how to understand him, you know, because if he does have ADHD, then I need to change the way we do things at home. I don't need to medicate him. I just need to make it, you know, have him learn stuff in shorter periods of time and let him go outside more or whatever. And because with me having really bad ADHD, I, I understand it, you know. So they said to you, what are you doing here? Yeah, I mean, they could, they were like, well, what are you doing here? Right yeah. there shows. <laughs> I just laughed. That's the, the thanks. That's all I needed. Yeah, that shows the 
flaws in our medical system instead of, all right, well, can we change his diet? Can we change his activity level? Can we, like you said, change the way he learns? Could we uh, even therapy, Mm -hmm. you know, meet with a therapist? Uh, I mean, why is medication the first thing that they go to? And then look at you like you're crazy when you don't want to take it. Wow. Well, kudos to you. (laughs) Yeah. And it was one, one meeting with him. Thank you. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I actually, um, I was on Ritalin for a while and then I decided I wanted to get off of it because you know, all the reasons. (laughs) So I got off of that. And then I'm also in on antidepressants and, um, I do kind of think I'm one of those people that just really does need it, but I wanted to get, see if I could manage it myself and get off of it just a few weeks ago. And my psychiatrist was just fighting tooth and nail to talk me out of getting off of the antidepressants. And I was like, well, I mean, that just makes me want to get off of them more, (laughs) you know, but I couldn't believe how adamant she was about how safe and effective it was and how ridiculous it is that they're, you know, that I might not want to be on it and how harmless it is and all this, you know, all the buzzwords. And I just, you know, smiled and nodded and just, okay. Yeah. And I understand (laughs) needing, you know, it sucks to be on um, a medication because I've I've talked a couple of times before about how my father had very severe mental illness and to the point where like we couldn't bring money in the house because it had germs on it. We couldn't wear black in the house because it represented death. He had roots that he had to go to get everywhere. He couldn't go past cemeteries, churches, nursing homes, um, funeral homes. Like I literally grew up not knowing how the real way to get places because he couldn't go down divided highways or one-way streets. Like I did not know. Like when I grew up and went with my friends in cars to go places, I'm like, this is how close this is. We (laughs) would have to drive all over creation just to get places. But (laughs) So when he finally got on Prozac in his 50s, he was a different person. And also he had quit drinking too. Um, So I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. But the Prozac, I knew him as a different person after being sober and on an antidepressant. So I agree with you. I think there are people that definitely, there is a place for antidepressants, you know, in lives, but... Also, the uh, pharmaceutical industry pushes the doctors and they push the people to just get on that first thing, you know, as opposed to finding other ways, alternative natural ways to heal. And then if that doesn't work at using that as an alternative to it, it is um, every day I, I just discover more and more about the medical industry and it's it feels like you're drowning, really. Yeah, (laughs) it's hard and it's hard to do it with kids. I almost feel like. I, I wish I didn't know as much as I know about pharmaceutical because <laughs> I want to get off of these so bad. I don't want to be dependent on some chemical for the rest of my life, you know, and I just know they're making money off of me and, and, you know, victimizing so many people. And so at the same time, like I do feel trapped because um, I've been on Zoloft for a few years and um, I tried to get off of them, like I just told you. And I ended up having like a major mental breakdown. Um, That's actually why I haven't put out um, consistently like new episodes on my podcast because I, I just had a mental breakdown and I I took years of my research and just threw it in a trash bag. And I was just like, lot, like I was just giving up, you know, and thank God my husband is amazing. And he knew I would regret that. And he went and dug it all out of the the trash bag and put it back for me. But I mean, yeah, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm stuck on the, you know, but I'm tapering off and, and we'll see if, if I can handle and I worry that they say, you know, these SSRIs make things worse. And I wonder if that's what they're talking about. Like, now that I've been on it, am am I now stuck on it because I started taking them? Like, maybe I could have been fine managing the depression a natural way, but they never even, that was never an option. Well, yeah, you'll never know. So you can't beat yourself up about what you didn't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. They don't know either. And you can't even be mad at I mean, you can be mad at the doctors that prescribed it, but I've been with those doctors too. And yep, you take what you got to take. And um, I think that things are situational in our lives too. You know, you've 
the last couple of years have been like seem really big for you, leaving your job, um, homeschooling the kids, starting a podcast, all the stuff we're dealing with with COVID and the government and the, you know, the even bigger picture that's going on there. Like that's a lot too. So I would say don't beat yourself up about being on something that you need right now to be the best you that you can be. You can have a goal to get off one day, but you know, whatever, however you show up best for your kids, I think is the most important thing. Cause I know if my father had been on something when I was a child, I would have had a much better childhood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it. It made me who I am today. Hopefully I'll write that memoir and it'll be kind of a funny little, <laughs> like funny, sad little book. But, um, but you know what? It, I, my childhood would have, would have been better had my father been on something that he needed. So, you know, take, Take with that what you will. Oh, thank you. That's reassuring. I, I, I just figured, you know, I'll, I'll be the, the guinea pig so that my kids don't have to when they're older. You know, if I have to stay on these, I'm okay with that, you know, and uh, at least I'll know how to make sure my, my kids find alternative, you know, methods when they're older if, if they need that. I don't know if it was the first episode, but I, I think it was when I was talking about my reasons for wanting to homeschool and my reasons for being fearful of homeschooling. And I talked a little bit about like the kids growing up today and and even our generation, even us, we don't have like real work that we do and then witness the fruits of our labor to sort of feel that fulfillment. Whereas like our grandparents and the generations before that, it was Well, we all have a job to do to be part of this family unit. You know, you might have to watch your siblings while, you know, mom and some of the other kids go out to forage for food or hunt or, you know, they're all part of the process and like getting or, or even farming, you know, um, you go out and milk the cows in the morning. And so like, it's this crazy hard work and I'm sure that every, every person that's ever done it is like, Oh, I got to milk the cow again or shovel the shit or whatever. (laughs) But, um, it is satisfying at the end of the day to know that what you did had a purpose and you actually saw the purpose being fulfilled. Whereas like my uh, government job sitting in a cubicle, there's not much. I definitely don't see any fruits of my labor being fulfilled. You know, that's more now that I'm home with my kids. I can see like small wins day to day. Like, oh, look, now you can tie your shoe. Um, You know, that's something I taught you so I could see from beginning to end. So no, he really can't tie his shoe yet, but we are working on it. But, um, (laughs) but like little things like that. And when you think of like this whole generation of kids that are just on the social media and in the school system and on ADHD medicine, because they're eating sugary foods and processed foods and they're not getting enough exercise and they're not doing things that matter at a young age, I can understand why depression starts so young. So um, yeah, if I can turn it around for my kids, it, it, it like we should get some cows and some pigs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's a really good point. I think uh, just having some kind of purpose makes a huge difference, you know. Absolutely. So what sort of curriculums have you started with the kids? So I think every parent that starts homeschooling is kind of going to go through the same process that a lot of seasoned homeschoolers are like go through. And The way I saw it was the first year was just chaos, a lot of crying from the kids and mom, (laughs) a lot of frustration because you're trying to figure everything out. And I thought, oh, I need to find this curriculum. And I'm asking my friends like what they use. And I'm looking into that. And some of it is way too expensive. Some of it doesn't have what I wanted to teach them, you know, so. I just kind of gave up on all that. Uh, I stopped trying to like buy into all these curriculums and going by it, like, you know, by the book. I wouldn't call it unschooling, uh, more of like a free school, schooling type, relaxed, a relaxed homeschool. So whenever they're interested in something, I just dive into it full fledged, you know. Um, so my son, my younger son, he is obsessed with lizards and snakes and he's he's got a little terrarium that we found on craigslist for like 10 bucks and he goes out and he collects all these lizards and now he's got one in there that's pregnant (laughs) 
she's going to lay eggs soon. And you know, he's learning so much. And every time he has a question, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Here, let's let's look it up. That's how I, I teach them how to, like, type. So I, I make them type it, type out the question in Google themselves. Okay, have you checked out episode 21 with Lindsay, creator of Treehouse Schoolhouse? I asked Lindsay on the show because I fell in love with her Instagram page. She is like the homeschool family I strive to be. Lindsay was homeschooling even before she had kids, homeschooling as a nanny right out of college. Over the years, she has developed super creative ways to help kids learn that can be fun for the whole family. From products like her morning time and daily rhythm and her nature studies to alphabet cards, her rooted family Bible curriculum, which is coming out soon, and a connected Christmas, which is right around the corner, hint, hint. And what is a connected Christmas, you ask? Well, it's an invitation to gather your family and celebrate beauty and delight through festive carols, stories, poetry, art, baking, and handcrafts. It's about family, and it's about connecting hearts to the heart of Christmas. From preschool to middle school, there are variations and activities for all ages to celebrate together. Let them know I sent you by using the link treehouseschoolhouse.com slash the homeschool how-to podcast, and you can get 10% off all products. You can use the link and code in my show's description. Just those little experiences, like they might seem really minor at the time, but it's going to stick, you know, and unlike trying to memorize things that like you could work for hours and hours and hours on one topic and they're not going to remember it. But that little five minutes that we spent typing in a question on Google because he wanted to know it, he's not going to forget that information, you know, and now he's educating me on lizards and things that they do and what kinds they are. And we live out in the desert, you know, so they, he's out there collecting rocks all the time. So I just encouraged that. So I built him a little shelf, you know, on his wall in his bedroom so he could display all the rocks that he finds. And he's found out what, what all of them are, like what kind of minerals, like make a certain color. And I mean, he's, he schools me on it now. And it's really just letting them find that interest. And I heard a saying a while ago that really stuck with me. Uh, School is the only place in your life where you have to be good in every subject. Because in real life, if you're good at something, that's what you excel at. That's what you keep practicing and you want to master whatever you're naturally good at. And that's how you make good money, you know. But in school, whatever you're not good at that's what they want you to work on more and so I really got away from that I just decided okay if they're just like really bad at something and really not interested and then I'm not going to push it on them you know let's focus on what you are good at and master it you know yeah that's a really good view of school to have Yeah, yeah why should you have to be good at science and math and reading and writing and in what field are you supposed to be good at all those things Yeah. Wow. I like that. Now, okay. I, it's hard to visualize the concept of that in like a true day to day thing without, because here's, here's how I see that going in my household. Like we have a day where we go outside and, oh, look at, there are some robins building a nest. Oh, cool. Do you want to learn about the robins? Well, my robins like, died. I don't know if something attacked them or whatever, but all three of them were like laying down. They probably tried to fly too early. They're all dead. So (laughs) how do I get him going on a new topic or something else? Because I can see if I don't have structure, like every day at 10 o'clock, we open up our curriculum. I can see us falling into all right, well, you work on your iPad. You can play a game on the iPad for a little bit because mommy's got to do the dishes and the laundry and the yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Like I can see it going really good for about a week and then just kind of like falling into the slums. And then before we know it, it's June and we never did a single bit of learning. <laughs> like how do you do you make sure yeah. that you have reading time every day? I mean, they're a little bit older. So do you force anything on them? Um. So the only thing that, because I'm, I'm just, me personally, I'm horrible at trying to keep up with a routine. Like, I'm really hard on myself about it. <laughs> and like you said, I'll be really good at, like, come, doing this new routine for, like, a week. And then it's just like, nah, you know. But the only thing that I am pretty, like, I wouldn't say strict, but good about is um, the kids see, they see me reading a lot. So first I just started off, like, they would be eating breakfast or, you know, watching 
playing video games or, or something, and I would sit down on the couch and I would read my book for like 15 minutes. And they would see me do that every morning. And then, then I turned it into, okay, I want you guys to sit down and read with me. So go pick a book. And then, you know, so they did, they went and picked a book. And at first I was like, I don't even care if they're like pretending to read and they're not actually reading it. They're going to sit with me on the couch and we're just going to read quietly, you know, um, to ourselves. And then, then I would ask them like, okay, what'd you read about? <laughs> so if they weren't able to explain it to me, then I'd be like, okay, well, I'll start your 15 minutes over again and then tell me what you read about. Um, and then, uh, when you have siblings, it's really nice to like, okay, you read to him and then he can read to you. Like, or, um, my older son would sit with my younger son and let my younger son read out loud. And, uh, if he got stuck on a word, then he would help him with it. You know, little things like that. Have you ever heard of strewing? No. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so the way, like you asked about how do you get them interested in stuff? Um, you like, have you ever noticed your kids? They're not interested in something if you're trying to get them interested in it. But if you're sitting there playing with something that looks interesting, then they want everything to do with it. So what I do is I just do that kind of stuff on purpose um, or just like I'll buy like a new, I don't know, thing and just lay it out. Like I won't even say anything about it. I just lay it out on the table or put it on the couch somewhere. And they're like, oh, this is new. What is that? It's interesting. And then they get themselves into it and then ask questions and then I can like, you know, teach them about it. And they think that they think that they started it, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's been a really helpful. Method. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that with like a, a dead animal just so that they'll get into like wanting to butcher animals for, <laughs> for yeah. me. Mom, or, why or... is this carcass sitting on our dining yeah. room table? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, you can even do that with like, you know, educational videos or something like I would, uh, just something that, you know, I, I wanted them to like know more about. I would just put it on YouTube on my computer and I just wouldn't even like pay any attention to it. And then they're just like, Oh, what is that? And, and start paying attention to it, you know, <laughs> and they have no idea that, you know, I did that on purpose, but. And that is, no, that's brilliant. And that will work too, because it's so funny. My son, you know, he wants to play, he wants to like go on YouTube on his iPad. And I'm like, no, you're not going on YouTube, like just to sit and watch videos of kids playing. Yeah. But I was trying to get him some apps where he, they do like read alouds. And, you know, so they're reading a book or a story. And a couple of people that I've had on the podcast said that that is just like you reading to them. I mean, you know, obviously it's yeah. void yeah. of the closeness, the bond that you're making, but it's getting their mind thinking versus like staring at a screen and watching a movie or a video. So yeah. um, I was like, hey, there's a podcast where they'll tell you a story. Do you want to like play it in the car at first? And so now he's like, Mom, can I put my podcast on? And like he had a friend over the other day and he's like, you want to listen to my podcast? Because he <laughs> hears me talk about my podcast. Exactly. So it's so funny. I'm like, well, why are you doing that with a friend over? And the two of them are sitting there listening to this story being told. And the, oh, and then the awesome. friend wanted to, kept wanting to do it and listen to it. And <laughs> it was so funny. I like that you, you brought that up because when you asked like what curriculum I used, basically... I just use all the free resources that there are out there. So like you and the podcast, like, yeah, my kids love, um, will read uh, or listen to like, uh, you know, read alouds, like you said. Um, and there's so many free resources out there that are educational. They're just not all bundled up into one thing. You know, we, we do that too. We listen to stories on podcasts and there's another podcast out there that, um, the, it's like a mom and dad together and they're two kids and they, read like short little Bible verses and then talk about it, you know, so we'll just sit there and kind of listen to that sometimes. And they're like five minutes long. Oh, do you know the name of that one? Um, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to look at it um, on my phone. So <laughs> maybe I can, we send can look you it up and we'll put both of them in the show notes so that if anybody wants to check them out, they'll be in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's so many free resources out there. Like, you don't really have to buy, like, a curriculum anymore. You know what I mean? Um, and like they say, you know, your kids learn more by you being an example. So even if you're pretending to be in that example that they need, that still works, too. 
you know, like I said, with just getting them interested in something without them knowing that you actually purposely did that. Like, that's me pretending to be the example I want them to follow, (laughs) if that makes sense. And I think this big misconception is, and I thought this and still kind of have an inkling in my mind that it's this way, but... Um, that kids have to know a certain amount of things by the end of each grade. And they need mm-hmm. to know a specific thing by the end of 12th grade in order to get into college. And I'm finding out that is not true. That is not the case. And I mean, of course, we don't want them to be like, you know, nonverbal and not knowing how to read by the time they're 18. But any parent that loves their kid enough to quit their job or, you know, not work to stay home and homeschool yeah. them um, is not going to let that happen. So it's like, okay, well, do they have to know algebra to get into college? I mean, I still need to like really look into all that stuff, but I doubt it. <laughs> you know, there are colleges yeah. that aren't going to ask, you know, do you know what, uh, you know, A plus B equals C? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say, uh, my, they started actually learning a lot more when I finally like was able to let go of that because I thought the same thing too, you know? Um, and I just, I let go of the worry and let go of controlling what they know and when they know it, because you know, it, it's true. They, they, they're going to learn no matter what. Um, and you know, kids don't learn to speak by like showing them words and, and trying to get them to practice it, they learn how to speak be- when you're talking to them. You know, like I have a two-year-old right now and I never taught her how to, to talk. She just, we talk to her all the time. And so she starts emulating that. And, you know, with my kids, if they are yeah. playing a video game and they have to read the things at the bottom to understand the storyline, I, you know, I don't read it for them. Um, if they need help on a word, if they try it, then I'll, I'll tell them, you know, but, or uh, if I'm uh, texting somebody, sometimes they'll ask me, oh, can I do it? So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I tell them what to say and they text for me because I know they're learning how to spell while they're texting for me, <laughs> you know. Um, just <laughs> Yeah, that autocorrect will get them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I always tell them, don't use the autocorrect. But even if they see that autocorrect word come up and they are looking at it and then typing it in as they're looking at it, they're still retaining that. There was one gentleman, I think it was a guy, who put um, on the Apple Podcast review, he said, I just have to say that in your episode 12 with Chris, you guys said nobody uses the Pythagorean theorem. I, I think that's the one that he was referencing. <laughs> he goes, I actually <laughs> do use that in my job. I never thought I would. <laughs> but you know what, sir? I think they would have taught you the Pythagorean theorem if you didn't know it, or you could have asked Siri. <laughs> But no, but that was funny. I laughed when I read that. Um, It was a nice review. So if anybody else wants to leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, please feel free. (laughs) We got all five stars and then one one star review. And I'm pretty sure that guy works for a pharmaceutical company. So, Oh, yeah. That means you're doing good, though. (laughs) So yeah, please go on. Leave reviews. (laughs) Um, So do you see yourself homeschooling for the long haul? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't, <laughs> kind of for selfish reasons, but also because it is just so much better. And I, I love being there to like, see that little, the light bulb go off. Like, I want to witness that, you know. Um, but I also just, I hate the whole school schedule and having to work around the school schedule to do anything. Um, and also, now that I have a two-year-old, it's a lot easier to have my older kids at home to help me. <laughs> so it's half selfish and half, you know, for them. <laughs> You know, they don't want to go back either. So, and now do they get to do sports still? Or like, do you have any groups or activities that you do? You're in the desert. So like, what are there people around? How do your kids um, have friends and and play? So we're pretty lucky that uh, we live in a really small town. Like there's like maybe up to 4,000 people now in our town. Um, but they have so many friends. Like we've got a kid that lives next door to us. That's the same age and they have a two year old. So our little kids play. There's a kid across the street. That's their age. They, um, uh, had them in karate for a while, but they just recently wanted to stop doing that because now they want to try football and, you know, <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're always outside. They're riding their bikes everywhere. And like, I mean, we have a dirt road, um, in our neighborhood. So, 
it's there's very little traffic so they're just out there in the desert all day finding you know with their friends and they've all got dirt bikes and so as soon as one of the kids in the neighborhood is out there with his dirt bike all the other kids hear that and jump on their dirt bikes and they all go out there together and as long as Aww. i mean they have friends they definitely socialize and yeah you know <laughs> and with having a boy i am like I get a very anxious, nervous person. Like, you're going to get hurt. Don't do that. You're going to get hurt. And, you know, I've seen the memes that are like, you have to let them do risky play. It's like my son, he wants to ride his four-wheeler, which I think, I mean, it says on it, you're supposed to do it 12 and above. Age 12. He's four. (laughs) He's turning five soon, but my husband will let him ride in, like, the low gear in the woods behind our house, and and we'll we'll be riding behind him, which terrifies me, but as you're talking about, like, the boys ride on the dirt bikes, and even at their ages, like, it's still dangerous. It's still terrifying. It's not homeschool-related, but, um, I mean, how do you get over this anxiety of, like, you got to have a little risky play because that's where they learn their boundaries and what's safe and what's not. And they're supposed to like get a little hurt. And it's a hard, it's a hard little tightrope to navigate. Yeah, it, it is a balance. Definitely. Um, so yeah, we, we make sure they have all their gear on, you know, their protective gear and stuff. And I've actually shown them a couple accidents, what it looks like when you get in a dirt bike accident. So don't be dumb on your dirt bike and don't, push yourself past what you're comfortable with. And I also, you know, we don't let them go out alone. Like they're always with some friends so that if anything happens, they can come tell us. But I also, um, I I make them take this little backpack. And so they got water in there and tiny little first aid kits. And I've taught them how to use them in case they need to patch themselves up until they get home. Are you looking for a comprehensive homeschooling solution? It can be so confusing out there, especially when you're just getting started. My Homeschool Village has got you covered. They provide everything you need to homeschool successfully, including customizable lesson plans, interactive curriculum materials, and a community of experienced homeschoolers to help guide you along the way. Check out my episode with Becky, co-creator of My Homeschool Village. The episode is called Why It Takes a Village, Learn the Secrets to Homeschooling from a Mom Who Started 20 Years Ago. And that was aired on May 5th, 2023. With their easy-to-use platform, you'll have access to a wealth of resources and support to ensure your homeschooling journey is a success. Join My Homeschool Village today at myhomeschoolvillage.com and discover how easy and rewarding homeschooling can be. Use code HOW250 to get 50% off of your first year if you sign up now. That's H-O-W with the numbers 250 how 250 and you can check that out with the link and the code right in my show's description and i also provided them with a flip phone so that they can call me if i need to get in the car and drive out there you know and i can also see them it's just flat desert out here so you know i can see them for the most part but yeah you do just you kind of have to let them get hurt and most of the time boys they see them as cool battle wounds you know <laughs> so. that's true and you know i take it back then it it did have to do with homeschooling because even just learning so as a homeschool mom you or parent you take on that role of like i have to make sure that you know what to do for emergency preparedness and exactly. um i've been working with that with my son like we didn't have a landline in our house and i'm still not convinced this is a landline because it's connected to the internet so it only <laughs> yeah. works as good as the internet is working which getting this podcast to record today isn't that great <laughs> you know both ends yeah. <laughs> of ours you're in the desert and i'm in the country so um i was trying to teach him how to use the emergency 911 or emergency calls on my cell phone and it's really not intuitive especially for you know a 4 year old 5 year old to navigate to call if i were to get her pass out you can't wake me yeah. up or something like that so we got the phone and then i you know i have it dialing. There's three pictures you can put. So I did like an ambulance um, police car for one and then my husband for the other picture and his grandfather for the other picture. So in case of emergency, you know, you call these people, which I'm like, already kind of like, oh my gosh, someone is going to get to that 911 button and just start playing around with it. But (laughs) it's, we're trying to tell them, you know, that (laughs) that we can't, 
can't call 911 unless we really need them here because you're taking them away from other people that do need them. But I think when we send our kids to school, we just assume teachers will take on that role as well, you know, and tell them little things to do in case of emergency because, you know, they take care of the fire drill thing and they have firemen come in and tell them, you know, what to do in their house in case of a fire. But even telling a kid once or twice, that's not enough. Like we should be going over this yearly. You know, what do we do if our house catches on fire? What do we do if mom gets hurt and you can't wake her up? What do we do if um, there's a car accident? What do we do if a stranger comes up to you? You know, all these little things that we don't even really think about, or especially when we send our kid to school, we just kind of take for granted that they are providing that part of the education. And I think they think parents provide that. There seems to be a lot of things that I'm questioning (laughs) now that, you know, when I bring it up to my friends, they're like, well, parents are supposed to do that. And then, you know, but as a parent, I'm like, well, what am I paying taxes for? Why doesn't the teacher do that? So it's kind of interesting as I unfold it and and looking at myself now as like a homeschool mom, since we are planning on doing that for kindergarten this fall, it's like, oh, I have to be the one to think of all these little things. And, you know, just to, and and pool safety, that's a huge one. Like being around a pool and whether it's learning to swim or just there's a pool at your cousin's house, you know, and you might be going to your cousin's for the day. Or have you told your child not to go near a pool? Or if he does, it's got to be with an adult and, you know, all those little things. Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, um, take some of the pressure off and just uh, handle it as it comes along, you know. Uh, And I just think, talking to our kids all the time about even the hard things that are scary that we think we have to like protect our kids from hearing you know scary things no tell them about that you know I listen to a lot of true crime stuff on my free time and so I tell my kids all the time like I've been teaching them um, actually for a few years now like what it exactly it looks like to be manipulated like what kind of things to hear people saying and and teaching them that I don't care if it's a pastor at your church or your teacher or a police officer, if they're saying things that just don't feel right to you, then don't trust them. Like even they're all just human beings and any human being can have, you know, bad intentions. And um, I really am big on teaching kids about how to recognize manipulation so that they can't be manipulated. Talking to our kids about the real world is a huge, huge part of the solution. And I put them in karate and stuff. Yes. Martial arts, wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that you use the word manipulation because I think right now what's being overused is propaganda and I don't feel that that word carries the weight that it needs to um when we think about like Nazi Germany and we call it propaganda like I think in the back of my mind propaganda is like a commercial ad for you know oh smoke cigarettes they're cool that's propaganda it's manipulation is what it is because like manipulation has that bad connotation to it and that's exactly what it is what's going on you know with the covid situation that's manipulation with nazi germany that was manipulation and like everything in between we were just reading this is like I'm t- I am an affiliate for the Tuttle Twins, but um, I was reading... <laughs> oh, I love Tuttle Twins. The one book with my son today, and I had purchased these books l- before I became an affiliate. So I was reading Education Vacation with my son this morning, and they were talking about going... To- it was a homeschool book, actually, um, and they were going to Italy, and they went to where the gladiators fought in the book, and they talked about how half a million people lost their lives at the Coliseum fighting to the death and I you know I didn't like you said you know I kind of tell my son like I said see this is the rulers at the time which is like our government yeah you know the same as our government would be their rulers were making people do this to each other and why should we think anything's changed just because it's you know a few hundred years later yeah if people if rulers were capable of of doing this to their people for entertainment and then you know and then you can pull that the nazi germany has happened since then that wasn't that long ago and you know rulers make these bad decisions uh, you know over their people so why should we trust them at all i mean my kid doesn't trust the government he doesn't know what the government is (laughs) like who you know i think he might know biden or trump yeah he just knows we don't trust the government in this household (laughs) yeah yeah I, i explain the exact same thing to my kids about and um i also teach them most 
most, not all, but, you know, most of government officials in every country around the world, people who want that much power are usually psychopaths or sociopaths. So, and like you said, if they were doing this 100, 100 years ago, when did that suddenly stop? Are we just too civilized now all of a sudden? Everyone has better morals? No. <laughs> if it was happening then, it, it's still going on today. If they right. just do it differently or they found, you know, they've gotten better at hiding it. I mean, in the days of the gladiators, though, people just sat there and they said they gave them free yeah. food just to keep them there and entertained. And they watched people fight each other and fight animals to the death. Yeah. I mean, that's disgusting when you think about it. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I think it's really important. <laughs> and then and then we're like, you question vaccines? Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how much money the pharmaceutical industry is making off of these and how little they've tested any of them? Like, it's crazy. But I mean, my oldest son, my son is vaccinated. I kind of like woke up to the stuff later on. But yeah, um, think- uh, that'll probably get me banned off <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, um, a hundred percent agree. I taught my kids, you know, I've been trying to instill the idea in them that if something is free, it's because you're the product. So don't be somebody else's product. You know, I think that's a a huge concept that we need to teach our kids. Oh yeah. Siri. Yeah. Oh, we don't have any of that smart stuff in our, in our house. I have a smartphone and that's it. Like, I, you know, we wanted to get a new, like, bigger TV, and I'm like, well, we're going to have to find a used one because I ain't buying a smart TV. (laughs) I think, honestly, like, we need to stop with the stigma of don't tell your kids that because that's scary. It's going to scare them, this and that. And it's like, no, this is the world they live in, and and if we don't teach the next generation this kind of scary stuff now so that they know how to handle it and stay away from it, then we're just going to continue on this path to our own destruction, you know, and it might be kind of scary, but they can handle it. And I think that's something a lot of parents have kind of gotten away from is like kids are resilient. Kids are smart. They're strong, you know, and, and we don't give them enough credit for that. Like they can handle the truth and we need to tell them the whole truth. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a good place for like a faith to come in too. Like things are scary out there, but let's, Let's see, you know, where our faith is and pray on that and give give your worries to a higher power. I, You know, that's been kind of like a nice comfort and a nice place to have that rest in your life and, and bring it in with your kids and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Lauren, while I have you here, do you want to tell people about your podcast? Um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm kind of in between changing directions slightly with my podcast, so... Um, it's called The Thought Garden, and uh, basically just because I couldn't decide on what to make it specifically about because there's so many different topics, so it's just, it's honestly just a mixture of everything and just like a garden, which is usually a whole bunch of different things, like it's a big mess, but it looks beautiful. <laughs> That's kind of how my brain works, and my my goal really was to reach uh, the youth because I feel that if the government is targeting our kids for a reason, then we need to jump in front of that target. And I kind of have a problem with like feeling like I have to save the whole world, you know? And um, (laughs) so I was like, well, how can we do that? You know, we need to reach the kids. And and I thought, well, maybe if we reach the teenagers right now, um, but that's proven to be a lot harder than I thought because they don't listen to podcasts. They you know so um my co-host is a 19-year-old and she's very smart and she you know she has a lot of questions so I love explaining things to her on there. I need to help parents learn how to teach their kids this kind of hard stuff. So um I'm currently working on my own uh quote unquote you know, curriculum. I wouldn't really call it a curriculum. It's kind of like Tuttle Twins, um, but it's all the the stuff, you know, just diving into um, learning how to not be manipulated and learning how to uh, teach your kids, like, the whole truth behind what's going on and and break things down so that they understand it. For an example, uh, when I was teaching my kids about government, so what I do is I go on education.com, and I find the the mainstream narrative. So say, like, I, I picked government, you know, so I'm like, okay, so let's do fifth grade government. What are they supposed to be learning in public school right now about the government? And I show them that. And then what I do in my curriculum is I compare it to the alternative narrative. 
and the other theories behind that. And that way they get a chance to see and compare and contrast all the different theories out there or, or events, you know, history told by the, not just the victors, but the other side as well. And so like when I was teaching about fifth grade, you know, government class and legislation and what their roles are, um, I drew a graph on my whiteboard and showed them exactly what the mafia looks like and the mob. And then you put it back, you know, and it's like a mirror image they work exactly the same, <laughs> you know. I'm really trying to work on uh, something like that because when I first started homeschooling, I thought for sure, like, there's got to be somebody that already created this. And I scoured the Internet and there's nothing. And I'm like, okay, great. Now I guess I have to do it. <laughs> so I think that's awesome. Yeah, so Go with it. So where can people find you? Right now, I think I'm just still on Spotify uh, at the Thought Garden. If anybody does want to get a hold of me, uh, I, I am looking for somebody that maybe is a more seasoned homeschooler than me. I've been doing it for like five years. Um, or somebody that is more technologically, you know, uh, educated than I am. But I would love somebody that wants to partner up with me in creating the curriculum. Yeah, just be able to compare and contrast <laughs> alternative and mainstream media and just showing kids the truth. My email is um, visual and then the word eyes, E-Y-E-S-ography. We'll put it in the show notes. It looks like visualizeography at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. I I love this chat. I feel like it went in so many cool directions and uh, I can't wait to get it all edited and uh, edit my daughter out of the beginning (laughs) because she was screaming. (laughs) That's okay. All right. Thank you so much for having me. This was really exciting. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Homeschool How-To. If you've enjoyed what you heard and you'd like to contribute to the show, please consider leaving a small tip using the link in my show's description. Or, if you'd rather, please use the link in the description to share this podcast with a friend or on your favorite homeschool group Facebook page. Any effort to help us keep the podcast going is greatly appreciated. Thank you for tuning in and for your love of the next generation.